This is the Editor's Half Hour. Step into the life of an editor for 30 minutes as we discuss the craft of editing, industry trends, and editorial resources. Your host is co-founder and CEO of Peak Publishing, Inc., Nadia Jaja Pupa. She is experienced in all facets of the publishing industry, from editing to design, and works with corporate clients and self-published authors. Nadia and her guests are about to share powerful insights and stories on what it takes to be an editor. And this is your host, Nadia Jaja Pupa. Welcome, listeners, to the Editor's Half Hour. We have such an exciting interview today. I am talking with Amy Schneider. She is the one, the one to go to when it comes to editing fiction. This is also extremely important for all editors in the world of fiction, because this is the first time that the University of Chicago Press is publishing a book specific to copy editors who edit fiction. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's really going to surround the the topics that we're going to discuss will surround this book that Amy has worked on for the past couple of years. Um, Amy, please introduce yourself and tell us about some of the projects you're working on. If you can tell us, I don't know how top secret they are, but tell us a little bit about your past, too, and how you got to where you are and how you are this expert in editing fiction. Um, well, uh, yeah, so um, it's interesting because I basically broke all the rules on how you're supposed to get into um, freelance editing. Um, you're supposed to work in-house beforehand and get some experience, and I didn't do any of that. My degree is in graphic art. Um, when I got out of college, I worked at a printing company for a couple of years, so I was on the exact opposite end of publishing. Um, you're supposed to, uh, yeah. So, uh, I did things like I called up a local editor and asked her if she could, you know, walk me through what I need to do. And that's something that, you know, we experienced editors get that from people all the time. We say, please don't do that. You know, do your own homework. (laughs) Um, and yeah, when I was looking, when I was looking for, for work, um, I started out by, you had the, um, oh, the literary marketplace was the big book of sources of of editing and publishing and so on. And it was this big book. It was like, it was like yay thick. Mm -hmm. And um, so I went in there and sent out letters to to potential clients and I did the mail merge wrong and I spelled someone's name wrong. Oh no. Uh, Spelled it right in one place and wrong in the other place. So I had it. Yeah. So I just never wrote to her again. Like, how are you going to, how are you going to get editing work like that? (laughs) Oh crap. (laughs) uh, I broke a lot of the rules. Um, and I sat in my little garret here in the middle of nowhere. Um, I live in rural Wisconsin. Um, nice. Basically, I, I had very few connections. Um, I was a member of Copy Editing L, um, the email list for copy editors, which is still active. Okay. Um, and this was obviously before social media. Um, so that was basically my connection to editors was just emails coming in. Um, I didn't really know faces. I didn't really talk to people. Um, it was just me and my clients. And so just kind of learning as I go, you know, obviously I, I, I bought a pile of books and I read those and I studied and I got the Chicago manual and, and so on. And I read as much as I could, but I basically learned on the fly. That's, um, that is so cool. So I, I kind of broke that. the rules there a little bit. I love that. Yeah, I think a but, lot um, of editors I was very that. blessed. I, th- I think they, I think they do. I mean, you know, it's against the general wisdom, but if you do it right, obviously it, it can work. Um, and I was just very lucky that I had very supportive clients who were willing to work with me and help me develop. Um, and one of those was, um, my first, uh, fiction client who was at that time, a senior editor at Penguin. Wow. And she hired me, I think I, 
it was about a year after I started freelancing. Okay. Um, and I, I must have contacted them because there would have been no reason for them to contact me because I was nobody. <laughs> um, but I, I applied. Um, they must have had a, a call out and I took their test and I passed and she contacted me to tell me I passed. And she said, we want to hire you to copy it fiction. And I actually argued with her. I told did you? <laughs> I said, I did. I was like, well, I don't understand. Why would you want me to copy edit fiction? I'm not a fiction writer. I wow. I don't write. I, I strictly edit. I, I, I don't know anything about writing fiction. How, how can I possibly edit it? And she said, no, no, no. I would much rather hire people who do not want to try to write the book for the author. I want people who will stay hands off and just stick to editing, stick to the brief. Um, so I said, okay. And for the next... I don't know, 10 or 15 years, um, they were kind of a, a, I did less fiction editing at that time because uh, when I started out, my bread and butter was textbooks, I see. college textbooks. I see. So you get a big book, it would be like 1800 pages, right. uh, you know, manuscript pages, and you'd work on it for three or four months at a time. Right. And then I just kind of filled in around it with these little fiction projects that I would get here and there. They were really fun, um, but I only had the one client. Well, then eventually I started getting other clients in fiction and the textbook market kind of dried up a little bit. And so the balance kind of shifted. Um, and so I started doing more and more fiction. Um, and then around the same time, I started attending conferences. Okay. And that was that opened up a whole can of worms because <laughs> now I'm meeting people in person and talking right. to other editors. And and hearing them, you know, hearing their presentations and, and talking about what I do. And I'm finding out that people want to hear what I have to say. Me, I've been sitting in my little garret for 15 years. <laughs> well, it turns out I have learned things. And so that was how I got started giving presentations on, and especially on fiction editing, because at that time, it just seemed like everybody wanted to do fiction editing. Just, Gosh, that sounds like fun. Just, it is know, fun. Romance novels. And, yeah. And, yeah. So... Um, and I kind of talked about my method and how I, how I approached it. And they said, well, you should talk about that. And so I dipped my toe in the water and started presenting. And then I started presenting more. Um, and then at one uh, presentation that I did, I happened to mention that, you know, I'm giving these presentations and I really can't refer you to a book on copy editing fiction. There are little bits and pieces of the information here and there. But there's a lot of the books out there are either for writers on how to self-edit or therefore editors on the big picture editing, developmental editing and right. you know, um, story pacing, character development and point of view and all that sort of thing. But there really weren't any nuts and bolts handbooks on how to copy edit fiction. And somebody in the audience said, well, you should write that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I should. And it just planted a seed. Um, I didn't start on it right away, but then, uh, I came up at another conference later, and um, there was someone there who just followed me around for the whole rest of the conference saying, write the book, write the book. And you had so, a cheerleader. <laughs> I had a cheerleader. And uh, he kept he kept me going, and, and some, of, some of my other uh, colleagues did too. And so it became more of an idea. Maybe I could actually write a book instead of just editing one. Right. Yeah, I fell into that as well because – I, you know, oh, if you want to write a book, well, you have to have a good proposal and you have to get an agent and you have to do write sample chapters. And I didn't do any of that either. <laughs> I, 
what happened was I was I was giving a presentation on copy editing fiction mm-hmm. at the EFA conference in August of 2019. Okay. And little known to me, uh, a senior editor from U of Chicago Press was in, attending my session. And she she told me later she was thinking to herself, oh, I should get this person to write a book. And she came up and talked to me afterward and and uh, we just had a little conversation. She's like, oh, we should talk later. And then, um, and again, later she told me that she, uh, after my session, she had lunch with Marilyn Schwartz, who is the co-editor of the fourth edition of the Copy Editor's Handbook by Amy Einstone. Yes, I have that book too. And, and uh, yep. And Marilyn said to her, you should get her to write a book. And, and Mary from the press said, oh, I'm, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> so she... She just shepherded me through the whole process. She says, well, first you're going to need a, a proposal. So here's how you write a proposal. And here's a sample proposal I want you to base yours on. And here's what I want you to, here are the high points I want you to hit in your proposal. And, and we'll send it out for review. And this is how I want you to respond to the reviewers. Wow. She just basically just walked me through That's the entire process. That's so great. So extreme, extreme stroke of luck there Yeah, that I just, I didn't have to sell the book at all. It was already sold. Right. Um, Cause there's a very big need. There's a huge exactly. need for this. I think a lot of editors who focus on fiction, there's so many things that come up and it's so nuanced and it's, what do you do if you're referring to somebody in the, in, and using their nickname but their nickname, I mean, do you capitalize it? How do you treat it? You know, those little tiny details on on what you do when you handle fiction, you just can't cover that in the Chicago Manual. It's just not, there's not a place right. for it in there. Um, so having this book right. is amazing. And I am so <laughs> excited to get my copy. I am so mad that I don't have it in my hands yet. Uh, I did order it from the University of Chicago website, and I know that you can get your copy earlier if you do that. Um, the, the, I know that you told me, Amy, the book is not available officially until March 10th. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So if you go yes. to the Chicago website, order it directly from there, you will get your copy before March 10th. So I did that. And I was hoping to get the book before we were able to record this podcast. But unfortunately, I didn't get it. It's probably going to arrive. It actually says that it's going to arrive today. So I'm a little annoyed. But let's talk about the book. I think you have such an interesting story because you didn't follow the traditional process. Like you said, getting a certificate, you know, getting a specific type mm-hmm. of experience. You have an artist background or graphic design background. Is that what you said? Uh, my degree is in graphic art. I didn't really do any of it. I went in directly into production in a printing company. and But I had always, I had worked on, you know, college projects and things like that. So I had never actually worked as an editor before I started freelance. That is so cool. I think a lot of editors will really appreciate hearing that story, that it wasn't by the book. You know, you did things a little non-traditionally, you know, you just kind of reached out and thought this is something I'm interested in, something I want to do, and then went for it. And I love that. And then the fact that um, you went to editorial related conferences is huge. It's also inspirational because I think a lot of editors who might be a little shy uh, don't realize how much of an impact that is when you're meeting other editors face to face and how that could really change things for you. So um, 
That's just really great. I love hearing that stuff. Um, but now I'd like to get a little into the weeds. We only have a half hour. I wish we had three hours because there's so many questions I have. Um, but let's ta <laughs> let's talk about the book. What's in the book and what, what readers can expect to get out of this book? And not just readers, I should say editors specifically, uh, what they will get out of this book. And I opened it up and I, I went on Amazon. I know you can at least peek inside the book a little bit. And I saw the introduction, which starts with congratulations. This is your first, you know, you've landed <laughs> your first fiction editing job. And it's funny because I thought, well, you know what? The funny thing is, I think the people who are who are dying to get their hands on this book are already editing fiction. This isn't their first, they, they're not landing their first gig, but they've been doing it and they just want this book as that guide and that reassurance that they're doing things maybe the right way or whatever the case may be when they're handling those nuances in the coffee editing process. So that was kind of interesting. I thought, well, I, I can honestly say for myself that my, my um, background is mainly in nonfiction and I work with more of the corporate clients, but I do still take on those fiction jobs and those are the ones I get so excited about, um, but they don't come as often. And that's not my bread and butter or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's why it's even more important for me to get this book so that I feel like I have some of that guidance and background. Um, so now I've got questions for you. Let's get into this. So you, I, I, love okay. when, I love when books are broken into parts because it makes me feel that everything is organized in a specific way. And so this book is broken into three parts. And I'd like to talk a little bit about each part uh, and hopefully we can squeeze it in uh, for this recording. So the first, the first part of the book is the process of copy editing fiction. And it gets into the copy editor's mindset in the, in the copy editor's workflow. I am so excited about this. Can you talk to us about what is that mindset and what is that workflow? Just a couple minutes about that. Um, well, the mindset is, and I kind of got into this a little bit in, in the introduction, that um, it's this isn't a style guide. It's not something that should be applied across every manuscript. Okay. Um, editing fiction is a lot about breaking the rules. And oh. knowing when to break the rules and how to break the rules. Okay. Because it's not like when you're editing nonfiction, you're editing for a journal or a publishing house and they might have a house style and they want to follow Chicago. And so they have, they're very strict about how things should be laid out. But when you're doing fiction, um, the author is, they're painting a picture, they're creating an escape. Um, it's not about laying out facts and conveying information. They, you, they want you to immerse yourself in the picture that they're painting with their words. And sometimes that requires breaking the rules and doing things the opposite of the way that it's done in Chicago. Or maybe we're following it here, but not there. And so um, you have to learn to let go of prescriptivism. And, well, it doesn't say you can do this in Chicago, so therefore I can't do it that way. Um, you have to let the manuscript be its own guide. Oh, I love it's that. It's going to be its own reference for how things are done. So each manuscript is treated differently. Okay. Um, it has its own rules. The author has their own picture of what they want to convey, uh, the story they want to tell, how the characters speak. Um, so that's what a lot of the the mindset is, is just learning to let go. Oh, um, I see. And to not be hidebound and not be pedantic and go with the flow and let the author's story tell itself. I love um, and that. we're just there to basically sand off the rough edges and, and help the story come out. 
I love that. That is so, so that's the mindset. Yeah. That is so, so encouraging to hear too, because I think that a lot of editors tend to be hard on themselves and tend to be like, well, I don't know how to treat this. Or, you know, they, there's a little bit of what you said where they're, you know, lenient on certain things and kind of breaking the rules. So there is that in, in that process, but I think it's so reassuring to hear that letting that manuscript be its own, its own uh, entity really. And then going from there, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Really, really interesting. So um, what do you do when you get, what is the first thing you do when you get a manuscript? Do you uh, open up your style sheet? <laughs> I'm so curious to hear, do you, do you pour up a, like a big cup of coffee? <laughs> What's the first thing you do <laughs> when you get your manuscript? Well, the first thing is, um, I'm fortunate. I, I find it fortunate. Um, I have only worked for publishers. Okay. So um, when I get a manuscript, it's already been through all the developmental stuff. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been styled. It comes to me pretty much ready to go. Awesome. So I don't really have to do any sort of prep work. Awesome. Um, I do have a, a working template that I apply while I'm working um, so that it's in the fonts and everything that I want to see when I'm working. So basically, oh. I, I if it's a if it's a an author that I've worked on before or if it's the say the next book in a series i might pull up the previous style sheet and glance at it and just look at some basic things like okay are we using serial commas mm-hmm. um how are we treating words as words um just kind of familiarize myself with if it's the same characters kind of take a glance but that's it okay i just keep in mind those those basic things because i'll probably you know fix some of those things as i go along like if there's a missing serial comma, i'll put it in yeah um but this is my favorite part of the edit oh yeah is I put it on my laptop and I hit the couch and I've got my blanket and I've got some dogs at my feet and I've got my snacks and a drink and whatever. And I just read it. Yeah. And this is the part that a lot of people think that editing fiction is. I'm just reading it on my laptop. Um, I'm just reading it to to get a feel for what, what is the story? What is the author's voice? How do things turn out? Okay. Um, I'll get a sense for, Oh, the author has this pet phrase that I'm going to have to kind of pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, they have this one punctuation bugaboo that I'm going to have to fix throughout. Mm. And the only thing I'm fixing is I'm not using any reference materials at all. Okay. I'm just reading and fixing obvious stuff as I, as I go along. Oh, Things that are absolutely okay. positively wrong, like the absolute wrong mm. word choice or mm-hmm. tweaking punctuation to make sure it's correct, missing commas or missing periods, stuff like all that. All the glaring errors, it sounds um, like just really glaring stuff. I'm not making style decisions. I'm not looking up to see which version of a word I'm using. You know, if there's, if there's alternate spellings, I'm not looking at that. I'm paying attention. If I notice that there are different ones used, okay, I'm going to have to pay attention to that. I but see. basically it's just reading to find out how the story goes. Um, are there any red herrings in there? Are there people who aren't as they seem that I'm going to need to pay attention? What clues are there to what happens next? Oh, so very cool. It's, it's just reading. So it's a, it's kind of like a skim. Sometimes they end up skimming a little faster. I see. Um, you know, obviously some books are going to need way more fixing on the first pass. Cause if I can get a lot of that out of the way, then it leaves me more room to do the heavy lifting on the second pass through. Right. But yeah, that's my favorite part. In fact, I've got one of those I have to start either tonight or tomorrow um, to just get the couch and read a story oh, that's and so be paid fun. for it. <laughs> I know. I love that. You make it sound so much like so much fun. And, and that is what it is. And you get to actually enjoy the story, too. Mm-hmm. And then when you go through your second pass, sure. do you do do you how many passes do you do? Two, three? Um, two 
and some more. <laughs> okay. So the first, the first full reading, the first full reading pass is just the one where I just read and fix typos and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, I bring that copy then off my laptop and I'm back here at the desk at the, the big brain main computer mm-hmm. with the four screens. Um, and that's when I open up or, or create my style sheet. Um, and I get out, you know, I've got my dictionary up in Chicago and, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I start going through and compiling my style sheet, keeping track of all the details um, that we're going to talk about for part two of the book um, and, you know, flagging things to myself, mm-hmm. writing queries, all that kind of stuff. That's the heavier edit where I'm actually making decisions as okay. I go along. That's very cool. In yeah. addition to tracking what happens with you know the character descriptions, yeah. um, descriptions of locations, um, mapping out the timeline, um, looking up factual things, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, that's the heavy edit. And then the third Third, etc. Passes. Um, that's that's not full passes. That's just going through and you know looking at all the things that I flagged, mm-hmm. or maybe I want to go through and search for some particular thing all the way through. So that's like really multiple mini passes. Mm-hmm. Next, not actually reading the whole thing again. I'm just you know reviewing and cleaning up and getting it all ready to go um, back into shape to send back to the client. Oh, I see. I see. So for your fans out there. They, who are curious, and I know there there may be more than me. I, I know there are more than me, but uh, what font is your preferred font? You mentioned that really early on. So you said you changed it to the font that you. <laughs> what is the font style? Um, I use I use Verdana. Okay. Um, used to be fourteen point. Okay. Used to use fourteen point. Okay. That was several years ago. I'm a little older now, so I bumped it up to sixteen. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and the thing about Verdana is. Yeah. It's a, it's a screen optimized font. Okay. So it's good for your, it's, it's better for your eyes on the screen. Okay. And also it has very distinctive, like people talk about, uh, it's hard to tell if say a comma is, um, you know, italic or Roman yeah. or are these quotation marks pointing the right way? Or is this an I, a capital I or a lowercase right. L or a numeral one? Um, it's got big punctuation. It's got very clear, you know, distinct characters uh, of mm-hmm. those those things that mm-hmm. are easily confused mm-hmm. it's very easy to read i mean it's easy to tell if there's uh, you know extra spaces although of course i do searches for those right but it's very easy on the eyes oh that's and so, so interesting. and the other thing is is a lot of people talk about people talk about oh well i just zoom it up well okay then you're just looking at ginormous times new roman right and your your lines are the whole width of your screen <laughs> um i apply this template so that my my line length stays the same. In fact, it's shorter because the font is larger. Mm, um, I see. But it you know it keeps it keeps it manageable. My eyes don't have to scroll yeah. back and forth so far. But it's still a font that's very easy on my eyes. You do editing and everything with that font. Yes. Oh, very cool. Very cool. And it's, it's a whole other it's a whole other session. We can talk about <laughs> that. But basically, I apply a template that changes the font, and then I change it back with another template. Oh, that's okay. a whole that's a whole hour okay. long session. We'll talk about that, that later. Process. I want to talk to you about that later because I'm so into this. Right. Um, okay, but back so back to the book. Let's focus. <laughs> I, I tend to get off track, and it's so easy to do that. So um, let's get into the style sheet. Uh, we're not going to explain what that is. You know, the the point of my podcast is not right. a, an intro level podcast. So if you don't know what a style sheet is. Pause the podcast and, and look into that. It's very important. So um, what what is, you know, we're, I don't want to, you know, talk about it for, we could talk about it for another hour, honestly. But 
what is the most important thing or three top three important things that you need to that editors should think about um, when they're, you know, constructing that copy or that uh, the style sheet? Okay. Um, well, so in fiction, you've basically got four sections. Um, you've got the general style, which is just the same as for nonfiction, where you're keeping track of punctuation decisions and typography of whether things are Roman, italic, capitalized, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Word list, how you treat numbers, and so on. Um, in fiction, the three big ones are your character list, your locations, and your timeline, or okay. the plot, however you want to want to list it. Okay. Um, the main thing is... Um, Characters and locations are treated kind of the same in that you want to keep your spidey sense out for anything that could be contradicted somewhere else. For example, if someone's eyes are blue and then later they're green. Right. Or someone has three brothers, but actually four brothers are named. Something went wrong there. So you want to learn to tune your mind to those little details that you want to keep track of and put them on your style sheet. And then every time you come across you know, a physical description or something about their family or what's their favorite kind of soda or mm -hmm. whatever details there are about that person. Um, do they have tattoos? Where are they? Mm -hmm. Are they right or left? Do they have injuries? What's their personal history? All that sort of thing. Those are things that can, that can cause continuity errors later on. So that's why you want to write them down. Even if you don't ever refer back to that, the mere act of writing it down will put it in your head so that you're okay. thinking about it. Okay. Same thing with locations. Okay. Um, is this is this location? Is it a real place? Yeah. Um, is it is it a, in a fantasy? Is it a city? Is it a planet? Is it a galaxy? Yeah. Where is it located? Is this building across the street from that one? How many floors does this building have? What what is the landscaping? What is the architecture? All of these things yeah. you want to keep track of. Yeah. Um, and similarly with the timeline, you want to keep track of not only if they say particularly that it's Wednesday or 5 p.m., but is it springtime? What is the weather like? Mm -hmm. um, how many weeks have gone by? You need to keep track of that because I think a lot of authors like to say, oh, well, the fellows went out on Friday night and then some yeah. more things happen. And then they want to say that it's Monday, but really six days have gone by. Yeah. So you can't have six days between Friday and Monday. Yeah. So. You need to track that to make sure that it all lines up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the biggest things I hear about when I talk to other editors, things that logically don't make sense for that timeline. Um, and then let's get into the third part of the book where you talk about editorial issues that are specific to fiction, that this is where the, the, the nuanced aspect of what we do for fiction comes into play. What is, what is like one of the biggest things that, uh, we need to pay attention to? Um, well, um, dialogue is one thing. That's that's yeah. one of the mechanical things that a lot of editors have questions about. And so that whole chapter, it just kind of lays out some, again, rules, but not always rules, but there are basically some generally accepted formats. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the most important parts in this book is um, in the development process, we really beefed up the discussion of conscious language in fiction. And yeah. that's really been a hot topic. And when I offer that as a presentation, it's been very popular. That's great. Because we need to balance... You know, we're telling a story and, you know, historically, you know, terms were used and people behaved a certain way. But at the same time, we're writing in 2023. Right. Do we need to use certain terms? Um, we want to portray people accurately and respectfully, people right. and cultures and right. situations. That's um, so important. So that's something that copy editors need to be tuned up and perhaps even advise their clients, whether it's an indie or a publisher, 
if you do want to have a sensitivity reader, an authenticity reader, um, a conscious language expert, review this and make sure that it's that's the a respectful representation of what's in the story. Right. That's so important. I'm glad you mentioned that and that it's mentioned in the book, it sounds like. So that's great. Um, I, when we met before we, this recording and you, and I asked you questions, what kind of things do you edit? I was like, my jaw dropped to hear some of the things that you did. Um, can you talk to us about it? Cause I know one of the things that made my jaw drop was uh, <laughs> where the crawdads sing. That was one book that you edited. And I was like, everybody's talking about it it's been made yeah. into a movie uh what are some of the big things that you've edited that you can share with us uh well okay well there's that one which i'm pretty happy about but the thing is my clients they they drop these wonderful projects in my lap it's not like you know i ask for them or anything right they they, they honored me with uh, allowing me to edit them um i worked on the That's ten thousand doors of january which won an award wow um i've worked on several books in the india blake series for laura p hamilton um, I've worked on the, uh, um, the Suki Stackhouse novels. Oh, geez. Um, Amazing. So yeah, it's, it's really great working on working, especially working on series. I really love working on series because I can you know, keep that continuity. And, and also I get to find out what happens next with the characters <laughs> in the story. You get to be one of the first so people. I, I move heaven and earth. That's awesome. I move heaven and earth to to keep keep doing the next book in the series. If I have to skip one for scheduling reasons, I just go, oh, now I'm going to miss that one. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is so awesome. And what an honor to get these high profile projects that turn into these amazing shows, movies. You know, that is that is so great. It's so cool. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it's really an honor to, you know, to work on to any author's book yeah. you know, that I'm allowed to get in there and and make it what the best it can be. Exactly. And and you're you're a true expert in this world, which is amazing. And thank you so much for your time. Uh, this was, I know you're so busy, you're probably going to start working after this podcast and get going on the next manuscript. So before we end our recording today, can you tell the editorial world, where are we going to find you next? I know you've got some conferences coming up and you're going to be speaking and um, sharing more information. What's next on your list? Where can we find you? Because I know you've got a fan club. I'm going to try to find oh you gosh. and get you to sign my copy of the book. <laughs> right. Uh, well, obviously, um, this podcast is airing on March 1st. Yep. Um, I'm going to be live on that word chat with Mark Allen on March 7th. So watch out for that one. Okay. Um, and then in person, I've got I've got all the conferences lined up because I haven't been to a conference in person since 2019. Yeah. So right. um, I'm going to the ACES conference okay. in Columbus in March. That's basically going to be the de facto book launch because that's yeah. my first time okay. being anywhere since the book came out. Great. Um, I'll be in Seattle in May for the Red Pencil Conference for the Northwest Editors Guild. Okay. Um, then uh, Toronto in June for Editors Canada. Wow. Um, and then uh, Alexandria, Virginia, ugh, Alexandria, Virginia in August for um, the uh, Editorial Freelancers Association, which I'm excited about because that's the conference that launched the book. Oh, great. Um, and then the big one is... The big one is Glasgow in September wow. um, for the uh, CIEP, the UK um, editorial organization, because I was supposed to go there uh, to the UK in the fall of 2020. Okay. And obviously that didn't that happen. That didn't happen, so right, right. I'm excited that it's finally happening. Yes. I get to meet all my UK colleagues who have known online for so long. Oh, how fun. And of course, just get to go to the UK. 
Oh, that's so fun. I am so excited. And I'm I'm going to try to go to at least one of these to see you and meet you in person and get you to sign my copy. So you, I'll be among be great. other fans that are going to be following you. So this is great. <laughs> I will be sure to put this information in the show notes for the podcast. So please be sure to check those out and look at those links to all of these organizations that Amy is a part of. Um, I just can't thank you enough, Amy. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I am so excited. I know my book is going to show up tonight, so I know I'm going to be able to read it. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> right after this is done, I'm going to see it sitting in my mailbox. But I, I can't wait to to open it up and, and look at how you've laid everything out and organize the information to make it easy for all of us editors working on fiction. So thank you again for your time. And I'm looking forward to following you and hope and hopefully seeing you in person. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Editor's Half Hour. This podcast is your go-to resource for editorial trends, opening the discussion for new ideas through the real-life stories of editors. For more information about Nadia Jaja Pupa and her business, visit peakpublishing.com. That's P-I-Q-U-E publishing.com. Be sure to follow Peak Publishing on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And remember to subscribe and follow The Editor's Half Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.